for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 402 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. It's another great crowdfunding doubleheader week here at the Wayne's Comics Podcast. I start out talking with Travis Horseman from the Amicula series, and he's got an ultimate version that is being funded right now on Kickstarter. We talk about the book and how it came to be, as well as what we can expect from him in the future, and what new materials is in this great book coming out about Amiculus. Then everything wraps up with Gilbert Deltrez, who has a great comic coming out called Grom, or Galactic Rodents of Mayhem, Volume 1. This one's on Indiegogo, however. It's not on Kickstarter yet. It's described as a space sci-fi opera inspired by the always awesome Saturday morning cartoons of the 90s. The three main characters are Bash, Ripple, and Mona Lisa, and they have to fight against the menacing Dark Raider. We talk about how you could actually appear in one of these books, as well as the many formats that you can access it through Indiegogo as well. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. can still be revived. Its glory can live again. But I must learn Amiculus' secrets, who he was, why he did what he did, and how he began. It's great to welcome back to the podcast Travis Horseman, the creator behind Amiculus, which now is you have a Kickstarter going for that, Travis. How's it going? It's going really well. We had a good first day, having a robust second day. Good. Uh, looking forward to getting as many people out as possible, naturally. Okay. Now, just for people who may not have listened to our uh, discussions in the past, what is Amiculus about? Well, uh, let me go into my elevator pitch. Amiculus is uh, essentially it's set during it's a it's a graphic novel series set during the fall of Rome, but the twist is that in this version, Rome didn't fall. It was pushed by a mysterious figure from the shadows. It's sort of a lost history of Rome sort of suggesting that uh, this figure, this mysterious figure known only as Amiculus, was responsible for uh, destroying Rome. And uh, it's kind of in the – I like to say that it's in the same vein, the same spirit as uh, V for Vendetta or Assassin's Creed, Mm -hmm. uh, just set in the – it's a vigilante – vigilante character sort of positioned against the uh, corrupt uh, rulers of a crumbling empire uh, dedicated to bringing the whole system down. Now, people always fuss at me because I don't give this information right away, so I'm going to do it do better this time. This comes to a conclusion according to the Kickstarter September, I'm sorry, Saturday, November 2 at midnight, looks like. Yep. And your goal is, what I can see, is $14,350. Yep, that's, that's been in line with a few of our other campaigns. It's actually, 
uh, a little less ambitious than my uh, 2016 campaign, which was to finish the series. Uh, originally, it was done in a three-book a three book series, and uh, I kickstarted each book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I'm doing the uh, omnibus version in this one. You know, when I see this is a 240-page collection. That is correct. And you've got a new story. Yeah. Yes. Uh, actually, that's another purpose of this campaign is uh, the initial arc of the series is complete, but I am using this partly to bridge into uh, essentially a sequel uh, series, or I guess a prequel, really, because it all takes place. It takes place right before Amiculous comes on the scene, and in a way, uh, this series sort of explains how Amiculous came to be in the first place. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, because it's... It- so we're stepping back. This is sort of the way Hollywood does things these days. We do a prequel after we have a successful thing. Yeah. That sounds like what you're doing. So that's pretty good. Now, <laughs> um, is the same artist doing the, the new story as has done the other ones in the past? Absolutely. It's uh, my artist Giancarlo Caracuzzo is on board to uh, do this, uh, do this uh, 24-page new chapter and uh, ostensibly the series when we get to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's good. Now, I... See, you and I have talked a little bit about this stuff in the past, so I don't want to spend too much time on things we've already discussed. But on the other hand, I think it's really important for people to know what was it about this subject that got you to, you know, to to write this the story? Because, you know, some people look at history as a four-letter word, and I like it. I enjoy finding out stuff I don't know, and so for me, I I read the the three books and I really enjoyed them. What was it that motivated you to go into these good things? Well, I have a way of looking at history that really brings it alive to me more than it does for a lot of people, Um, partly because uh, I can see – I feel like I can see the drama and the narrative to it that isn't really conveyed. I hate to say it. I mean you know, a lot of schools – I think – history is typically taught by people who don't care for history in the first place either. Uh, They don't see that these were living, breathing people, flawed, mess – I mean – the the history of I mean like ancient Rome is I mean you wonder where like you you wonder where the just insane stuff that happens in Game of Thrones came from I mean they literally took some of the things in that series from things that actually happened in in ancient Rome mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. some of it I mean these these this is based on real this is based on things that happened to real people and uh, I mean these people were they were extravagant they were. Uh, they were extravagant. They were brutal. They were charismatic. They were just as uh, just crazy and flawed and interesting as you know anything in a narrative. I mean, that's why they call truth is stranger than fiction. You know, mm-hmm. well, very true, very true. Now, uh, Amiculus himself is a uh, literary contrivance, is the way I like to put it. I don't think there really was an Amiculus, was this? But he's a storytelling device that you're using to help make it more interesting. To a degree, yeah. I mean, I I pose this as a, like I said, a lost, quote unquote, with with quotes around it, because it positions itself like this is the version of history that you know, this is the part that you never heard. So, I mean, it's it's established, it's, it grounds itself in the actual narrative and then takes a left turn. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, uh, and I, I mean, I, I do take liberties with that, definitely, but I feel like uh, it, it's a thing that allows me to get you know, uh, it, it allows me to build the narrative and and really uh, allow the characters to to drive the story rather than the events. 
Now, it looks like one of the main characters is Romulus, and not everybody knows who Romulus is. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about who he was? Sure. And this is not uh, this is not the same Romulus as like the one raised by wolves along with Remus who founded Rome. Uh, this is an ironic thing because uh, Romulus Augustulus was the last emperor of the Western Roman Empire. He had the name of both the founder of Rome and Rome's first emperor, but which is ironic because he was the last, and uh, he was also a twelve-year-old boy who was being controlled by his father, uh, sort of being ruled as a puppet. And, um, that, uh, I mean, like I said, one of the things, uh, that's one of the things that drew me to this. It's like finding like the human, the really human stories in this. I mean, on the page, this is, uh, his, in the, his, in the histories, his, his story only accounts for like maybe a, a paragraph, like a, a page at most. He's a footnote, mm-hmm. but then there's that relationship, you know, hit between him and his father, how a father could basically control a son like he was a puppet that relationship couldn't possibly have been healthy mm-hmm. so i mean i started thinking about that and it's like i started thinking about what romulus thought about having his entire his uh like he's supposed to be the most powerful man in the world and he's nothing you know he's just uh, he's a prop mm-hmm. and how would he fe- i mean he doesn't have a voice in the histories or anything so how does he feel like about this what would he do say to try to get out of it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. Uh, no. Do you get into his eventual conclusion, shall we say, in the story? Oh yes, um, yeah. The what happens? I mean, in the histories, this is one of the cool things about it too. Is that when uh, he surrenders, uh, he surrenders to uh, to the barbarians when they come storming in and uh, take over everything, but they don't kill him. They banish him. Hmm. He goes off to live his out his life in, in the southern part of Italy and then nobody even knows when he died which that was another great thing too hmm. um, that was another thing that's like ooh let's speculate on that too you know let's see, let's see what happened what can we what can we you know what what little nuances can we add there to make that you know add that to our speculative story you know mm-hmm now, one of the things I was fascinated too when I was looking over the the Kickstarter page, it talks about the fact that Amiklos actually started as a ten-page play that you wrote yep. for a college project. Mm-hmm. That was that's interesting to me. I mean, did you guys ever get to perform the play? Uh, thankfully, no. <laughs> uh, it was really bad. Oh. Um, I mean, it was really just like it was an exercise more than anything else, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I decided to write this about a subject that I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, as a play, it was not good. But um, you know, it's one of those things that I stored away and uh, came back to years later as I was writing another. I was I tried I tried writing full length novels, but they just didn't come alive for me. You know, uh, writing things in a narrative form, uh, writing. Th- I mean. I, I don't know why I was having difficulty with this full length novel that I was working on. And it's like, well, you know, I don't really see, I mean, I don't really see a lot of things. Uh, I mean, I, I have a tendency to visualize most of my ideas, you know, uh, I'm inspired visually, mm-hmm. which made me think, you know, I like comics. Why don't I try writing this as a comic book or as a graphic novel? And it's like, well, this idea is way too long. I mean, I, I want to, 
test it before I even attempt to do anything with this. So why don't I take some other idea and just do a 20 page story? And it's like, well, they got this play. Maybe I can do that as a quick story, see how it looks and, uh, you know, move on to this other project. And as you know, that 20 page story turned into 240 pages mm-hmm. <laughs> like there, they do. There was life there, in that. There was, it took, it took, it took over. The story took over and, uh, you know, it, it became what it was going to become. It's interesting because that's when you know a story has legs, as I like to say, is that yeah. things start to happen, and the more you get into the story, and the more you write, the the more interesting it becomes to you, and and you can sense that when you read the book because there's a lot of interest going on. There's a lot of really interesting little twists and turns along the way too, that I really like because it's it's a well done book. Thank you. It's you know, now. I, I always have to ask people now. You, you, you're doing this as the uh, as the, the the collected version of it. Yes. Um, is that going to be available in stores? How's this going to work? Well, uh, this version I'm calling it's called the Ultimate Omnibus, uh, in part because it's the last thing I'm going to be doing with this series, with this particular storyline. This is where this is this is the pinnacle. Uh, but this omnibus is actually going to be an extended version that's only going to Kickstarter backers. Mm. Uh, it's going to it contain about 40 pages of addition. Of, I mean, I'm redesigning it, uh, getting a new. It's got a, getting new cover art, uh, new logo. It's going to be a new uh, map of the world of Amiculus, like the Mediterranean, the Roman world, the time of Amiculus. Uh, just a, a different look, uh, new content, new additional art. Um, it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a reimagining. And then after that, I'm going to do a standard sale version. That's 200 pages Mm -hmm. that I will, uh, eventually use to phase out the, uh, the, 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 um, the individual volumes. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was the way I intended it to be in the first place, but it just was too big to tackle all at once. So now, now I'm there. So I'm almost there, you know, so this Kickstarter to go, right? Yes, yeah, it's very good because, as I mentioned to you before we started to record, I've already pledged towards it, and I I, I can't wait to get the the, the good volume, the the Thank final you. volume, because I I enjoy the other ones just as they were. As the, you know, it's it's great when history comes alive like that, and it's so interesting, because you know that this is one of the things I love about comics is that it takes me places that I don't know much about. Yeah, and the Roman Empire was something I don't understand much about. At least I didn't before I started to read your book, and I began to like like Romulus himself is an interesting character, a twelve-year-old boy who's, the, the, you know, basically the the most powerful person in the world. That stuff is all really, inst- you know, just so interesting to me about that. So I I really enjoyed reading the three books because they were really very well done. See now this new story, I'm dying to see what you're going to do with that, because you know I, I having read these before, I kind of have a fair idea. You know what kinds of things, but now you know doing the old step backward to to move forward. I think that's going to be really fascinating. About that is, it's from what the website, the Kickstarter says, it's that there's somebody who's trying to understand Amiculus more, and therefore they have to understand where Amiculus comes from. Yes, what I get is that is that the basics of the story. Well, uh, the the story that you're talking about, the additional, the new 24 page story that's going to launch the new the new uh, um, sequel series. It's called Amiculus Domina, mm-hmm. and uh, the thing with this is uh, 
this is uh, this is a version of the story that actually traces where Amiculus came from, from the perspective of a character who's given kind of short shrift in the initial series. Mm-hmm. You have you have the boy emperor Romulus, and you have the relationship with his father Orestes, which is a very brutal, very abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. But then in the story, you also have his mother, who shows up for a very short amount of time, and then is almost like a footnote in the story. Well, this new series is from her point of view. Mm-hmm. And it's about how she plays a part in uh, Amiculous coming into existence. Hmm. Like, that's, that's so interesting because back in those days, you know, t- today is different. You know, we uh, the women have they haven't completely things haven't completely reached where they should be, but. Mm-hmm. What's it's better than it used to be. I mean, women in as I understand in Roman culture were not. Uh, I, I don't want to say this in some something that's going to be you know said incorrectly, but they weren't. They didn't end up being rulers or, or the upper crust largely. They were the the people who went along with the men, as I understand it. Well, that's. I mean, that's. It's. It's definitely a thing that's shown in this. I mean, the only. I mean, there's nothing that ever mentions her historically. She. The only proof that we have that she existed was that Romulus existed. We don't know anything about her. So, uh, you know, in a way, she's as much of a she's almost as much of a tabula rasa as uh, as Romulus himself, more so, actually. And um, I mean, her character is entirely speculative. I mean, the way I'm writing her is entirely speculative, but it's the way it fits into the narrative with uh, everything else. Uh, I think it'll be a really compelling story because uh, one of the things, this first chapter, uh, this story, uh, it goes back. There's a, you may remember from reading uh, the omnibus, this doesn't spoil anything by the way uh, um, for anyone, but there is a, there's a point in the, uh, um, there's a point in Amiculus where Romulus is remembering the happiest day of his life. And it is this day on the beach, you know, or his family is there and they're having fun and they're, you know, just splashing in the water and having a great day. And this is the moment right before everything uh, goes bad, you know, and he remembers that as being not just the happiest day of his life, but the last day that he was happy. And now this story goes back to that day and it reexamines it from the point of view of Romulus' mother, Romulus's mother, who is in that she's there at the beach with them, uh, interacting and everything. And it shows that what actually happened was a much darker, much, much more precariously dangerous situation than he knew. Oh, so, so we see from the beginning, we see it from, from Romulus's perspective and now we get to see it from hers. Is that what you're saying? Yes, precisely. And, this sets the tone. This story sets the tone for the whole series, mm-hmm. and you know it sets the start of that arc, basically, which is this—I mean, this precariousness and this danger which uh, she is in, and that Romulus is in—that she sort of shields him from, and and is trying to help him get escape from in a way mm-hmm. that is sort of the thread through that entire arc that will go forward. Hmm. So I, I don't want you to spoil much on this, but see now you've got me interested as to where you're going to go. 
in the yeah. next series. And I, I, are you going to kickstart that one too? Is that what's going to happen? You'll after this gets done, you know, you'll get your, your your stuff done for this one, and then you'll move to the another Kickstarter. Is that what'll happen? Oh yeah, um, I might take a bit of a pause in between mm-hmm. uh, to develop it a bit more. I mean, I have the the story is there. It just uh, there are some other projects that I am planning to uh, approach. Maybe take a brief, a quick break, and then plunge back into uh, plunge back into this story because you know, I mean, there. Are, I mean, I don't want my whole focus necessarily to be all amiculous all the time. Like right. that's the reason why I ended up. I did Sugar Creek there as kind of a as a, you know, sort of a breath of, as a bit of a palate cleanser too. Mm-hmm. So see now, I, is this going to be historical? Maybe that's the way I should approach it. I don't want to ask questions and give away anything, but is this also going to be somewhat historical in nature? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, okay. uh, it's going to, it basically covers, um, it, uh, the, 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 the big thing that happens in this story, like the big historical event is, um, Basically, Orest, uh, Orestes, Romulus's father, overthrows the previous emperor, and this is the point where Romulus becomes the emperor. It's his passage from normal, happy little kid to this miserable, this miserable puppet. Basically, mm-hmm. this is the moment. This is how when it happens, and then I mean, it goes from that moment on the beach up until the point where uh, Amiculus makes his uh, debut at the disastrous Battle of Ticinum. Mm. Okay, because just starting to fill in some of the gaps, because the, one of the questions I had, how does a father lose the throne to his own son? Normally it's when there's somebody gets killed and then somebody takes over. If, if he's still alive, I, I, are you going to explore that transition in this other story? Well, that's the fascinating thing, is that the father never wants to be the emperor. He sets his son up as the emperor because at that point in this at this point in history, the person who actually wields the power is the general of the armies. Mm. The one who control the, there's a, the magister militum. That's who Orestes was. He controlled uh, he controlled the armies, and the emperor was basically little more than a prop that right. he sort of almost like a, almost like a um, I don't know, an accessory that he basically controlled sort of like almost as a badge of his power. You know? okay. Yeah, okay. So I'm starting to get a sense of where this might be going in the sense that, you know, because there's always tension between political and uh, military branches of government. Yep. And I guess what, what he's trying to do, the father is trying to make sure that tension no longer exists because he can manipulate them through his son. Yep. Like, okay. Yep. Okay. I, yeah. I'm starting to get the story here. Okay. See, that was one of the things I was really interested in finding out about. So I, I'm really glad you're going that way because <laughs> that's going to be something I'm going to really be anxious to read. I want to see how that yeah. happens because you know, I, it's so interesting in this time today where, where politics is such a big deal. You know, the, people people rarely govern so much as they f- interact with politicians and stuff like that and it sounds like a lot of that was still true back in 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 rome for this mm-hmm. time so that's interesting that, that's going to be fascinating are there are going to be allegorical things to today or is this going to be purely uh look at the past i, t- I tend to like i like to let people draw their own conclusions on that um i mean one of the things that drew me to this period so much is because 
of all the ancient societies, I feel like Rome is probably the closest in their way of thinking and perhaps their trajectory to, uh, to us now, mm-hmm. which that's for better or for worse because they didn't do so well. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Right. Because, you know, it, I think you and I have talked about this in the past too, the, the sense that Rome just suddenly s- tends to vanish. You know, it's, it seems to break up and, and, and fall apart and other countries and stuff came out of the, the, the remnants of what Rome was. Mm-hmm. It was just, I just, I, that's so fascinating. And I, I, that, see, that's going to be so interesting to see how that all, all plays out because, see, and there's another thing about this that really gets me is that there's a cover that I see on the website and it shows the mother and she's, mm-hmm. got, a, she's got a robe on and mm-hmm. she's standing and in the background there appear to be Six amiculi, shall we say? And so I now, of course, we're gonna let's see. Now I gotta know. I, I don't want to ask anything because I, I don't want to spoil <laughs> anything. But I just have a funny feeling. I got an idea where we might be heading with this good stuff. But you know, hey, it's I, a good mystery is so much better than than you know. People often just blurt out stuff and say stuff. And from the beginning, mm-hmm. I, I I talked with James Tyne in the fourth one time, and I, I got a huge kick because he was doing this year long story in Batman, and at twenty six issues into it, he revealed who the bad guy was, the, the the big bad, as they like to say. Yeah. And people were complaining to him, why did it take so long? <laughs> and he started to laugh, just like like you. He goes, "Well, you know that that's part of the story, is to find out who that is." You know, to get there, and then we move on from that point. And I, I get a sense that's what you're kind of doing with this. There's, you're introducing things that are going to have real importance as we move forward with this. Yeah, I, I like that. Fun. That's one of the things about. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's okay. I, I, I really enjoy. I, I love the sense that I get from you, and I get better writers. I really enjoy is I get a sense we're going in a specific direction. You, you know where you're going, and we're working to go that direction to get where we need to go. And I, that's one thing I liked about the Mikla story, and I, I'm looking forward to the other stuff because I, it, sometimes you know people write like they're getting in the car and they're driving through a neighborhood and they have no idea where they're going. Yeah. And it, you lose interest after a while, you know. But with your stuff, I'm always interested to see where we're going next. What's what's the next thing that's going to happen? Because it, it's all heading for a purpose, and I like that. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, I, uh, um, I mean, deliberate. I mean, yeah, everything that I do is probably deliberative. Maybe more deliberative than it is sometimes useful to be, because you know, I, I definitely. Yeah, deliberative is another way of saying procrastinatory in other circumstances, but, you know. <laughs> but see, I like well, when you guys have a – I always think back to the New Teen Titans with uh, Marv Wolfman and George Perez. I yeah. always felt like they were heading someplace. You know, they introduced Tara, and Tara, the young girl, turns out to be not the pristine girl that, that everybody expects she's going to be. Right, but you could feel the train moving in that direction. You see certain things, and certain things happen. And you, and I remember sitting there going, like, "Oh my gosh, this isn't going to be." Because people were always saying she was Kitty Pride at yeah. that point, which yeah. she wasn't. So I got a huge kick out. Of, you know, that's with yours. I always like the fact that there's we're going somewhere. I really like that. It's, it's going to be great fun to do. Thank you. Thank you. So, be good for that. Now, you mentioned your other book. Why don't we get talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, talk well, about the the other book that you did. You did a Kickstarter for that one too, if I remember correctly. Yes, uh, that's uh, it was a very different departure from uh, from Amiculus. It's uh, it's called it was called Sugar Creek, 
Uh, it's a uh, it was a one shot horror comic, uh, probably about thirty two, thirty five, somewhere. But I can't remember the exact length. It's been a minute, but it's a thirty odd page uh, story uh, about set in modern times uh, in Ohio, actually in twenty fifteen in Ohio. Uh, and it's a horror story based on the premise that if you subject a physical place repeatedly to acts of violence, like if it is a place where violent acts happen over and over and over again, not just for years or centuries, but thousands of years, then that place will eventually become self-aware and it will become predatory and it will become, it will gain a taste for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then later on, some be- some people build a town on top of it and have no idea that it's there, and you know hilarity ensues. By which I mean chaos, carnage, and death. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just. A, did you ever collect collect that? Has that come out in in like a single volume, or they're only in available in individual issues? Uh, well, that one is like I said. That's just a one shot story. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. That one, uh, yes, it is actually out. Uh, uh, it is. It has been published. It's uh, on Amazon and uh, through my website, amiculousrome.com. Mm-hmm. You can pick one up if you want. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that was one. The Kickstarter did not succeed, but I was still able to produce the, the actual book part of it. Mm-hmm. There was another part of the project where it was kind of like an illustrated journal by one of the characters that acted as a run up to the events in that, mm-hmm. that I wasn't able to produce, but I'm actually writing that like chapter by chapter on my website. Like I'm, I'm, I'm uh, writing installations of that story there, which you can check out. Okay. So t- tell people what your website is or how to get there. Yeah, uh, well, my website is uh, amiculousrome.com. That's A-M-I-C-U-L-U-S-R-O-M-E.com. And uh, uh, it's got both, I mean, right on the front page is uh, a link to the current Kickstarter for Amiculous and uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, um, the web series, the, right, the, 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 the web story that I'm writing uh, about, uh, like, the prequel to... Uh, Sugar Creek. Mm-hmm. I'm all about the prequels. Wait a minute. So you're going to do a prequel to that one too? Well, like I said, with that one, there's a there's a character in the story that's central to the story mm-hmm. who is it's kind of his personal journal that he's writing, and he I, I, we basically get to see through his eyes what happens as he discovers this entity, mm-hmm. very slowly realizes what. A tremendous threat it is and how and his desperate attempts to stop it which um it manages to thwart one after another right up until the day of the big catastrophe that happens in uh in the actual comic of sugar creek hmm. Hmm. okay so that's uh, i don't remember if i ever got the full version of that one i think i got to see a couple pages of it but i, I don't think i got to read the whole book i'm just gonna get after that one because i i'd like to see how that you know uh resolves because yeah. your stories are always are fascinating to me because i don't know where you're going and i that's always a prerequisite for me i need to, to if i can tell where you're going i'm, I'm not going to bother <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's a good thing to have yeah because they used Be to open. Be sh- there used to be a show called Heart to Heart that I would watch just because I like to see a happily married couple on the television. 
Yeah. But I could sit there and five minutes into it, I could say, okay, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. And we, the, the hour would finally come to the end, and i go, yeah, they did it. They did everything that I expected. Sure. But uh, I'd, I'd rather be surprised. I'd rather not know. You know yeah. Uh, that's a good thing. So that's that's available to people who want to get a hold of that. So um, you're, what's the, what are you going to work on next, though? You're talking about taking a break and doing some other projects. Are there things you can talk about at this point? Or are they things that are in the, you know, the irons going in the fire that you can't really talk about it yet? Oh, yeah, I can absolutely talk about it. Um, I got another um, Ancient World project uh, that uh, I plan on working on. Uh, it's about the Oracle at Delphi. Mm -hmm. um that one's a it's it's a story that one uh, that's a fun one i'm looking forward to work on too it's called uh pythia the last oracle and it's mm -hmm. about that one's based on the uh the last uh the last prophecy of the oracle of delphi right, right. before christianity destroys the cult mm -hmm. and uh in this story it's another one of those sort of history you never heard sort of things where um this is around the time where the cult is about to be revived. A, uh, a Roman emperor who's a pagan has taken over and he's decided he's going to revive the cult. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the, uh, the, the oracle is getting ready to deliver a, um, is getting ready to deliver a prophecy to him that will either make or break, uh, that will either make him or break him. And they're insisting, you know, they have to make very, they have to be very careful that they do it right in order to get his gain his favor mm -hmm. but then this oracle has she she has a vision where she's visited by her past versions of her by the past oracles mm -hmm. where they're telling her that you can't you 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 cannot allow this to succeed mm -hmm. uh your job is not to save the, i mean the 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 oracle of delphi was de dedicated to the god apollo mm -hmm. and uh this would save hit this would save his cult and they're basically saying, your job is not to save Apollo. Your job is to kill him. Hmm. Because, wow. yeah, it turns out that the uh, in, in this version of it, the, 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 um, the oracles at one time were dedicated to Gaia, mm -hmm. the Earth. Mm -hmm. And uh, Apollo came in. This is uh, mythologically true. Apollo came in, slew his champion, and took it over for himself. And ever after, they were dedicated to him. Hmm. Well... The, the oracles always remained faithful to the earth, and there was a cold war going on between Gaia and Apollo throughout the centuries, and now is their opportunity to kill him for good. Hmm. So that's what, this is, uh, that's what this is about. Wow. That would be interesting. Is, is that going to be a comic book series like Amiculous? A one yeah. Shot? Okay. That one's going to be I'm, – I'm thinking that one's probably going to be a five- or six-issue series, uh, maybe about 120, 140 pages uh, overall. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, I, I, I know you go to a lot of conventions and stuff too because I, I, I follow you on Facebook and I think that I get to see when you go into places. Are you going to be doing more conventions? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I just got done with uh, Cartoon Crossroads Columbus, which is kind of a, a – that's a, uh, a really great uh, independent cartoon, uh, independent comic, uh, comic con mm -hmm. uh, that um, Jeff Smith, the, uh, the, the writer of the author of Bone, mm -hmm. he, he lives here in Columbus and he, uh, he put it on. It was a really great one. They actually had, uh, as a keynote, they had Mike Mignola mm -hmm. uh, there, uh, which was 
very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, he's uh, a lot of people like him. He did a, I have to say, unfortunately, he did a Batman statue that I just didn't care for. Yeah. You because know, Mignolo, he, when he does things, he usually has like your shoulders are sloping down and stuff. And I don't see Batman that way. And so for me, I always kind of looked at that and said, I don't know if I buy that one. But uh, his other stuff, I mean, his BPRD and Hellboy and all that stuff just shines to this day, yeah. I think. Yeah, I'm, yeah, big fan. Yeah, yeah I actually, I would say that uh, his his pacing. Uh, the way he paces stories and the way he establishes mood is something that I tried to build into uh, Amiculous a little bit. It was very influential in how I like to do it because I love the way he does that. Hmm. You know, yeah. so love the way he does that. Yeah, it's just I can and I'll just say that I kind of can see some of those things going along because there's there's mystery built into it and there's 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 yeah. kind of a darkness that mm-hmm. you have to pay attention to when things are happening. So that that's really cool. Yeah. So you, you've been to that one. Are there, what other ones are coming? Um, uh, I, I have a tendency to stay regional mostly. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably the biggest show that I've been to up to this point was probably Small Press Expo in um, uh, Bethesda, Maryland. But uh, I have a, a Wizard World coming up here in Columbus. Mm. And uh, then in November, I'm going to be at GalaxyCon in uh, Louisville. Oh. That may very well be my last show of the year. Uh, they don't typically tend to do them in December. <laughs> right, right. So, for good reason, probably. Yeah, I think um, we went to GalaxyCon, I think, in, in Raleigh, if I remember correctly. Yeah. A couple months ago. And so, I, I don't know if we're going to get to that one again. But, uh, yeah, that, I liked GalaxyCon real well. That, you know, the whole history yeah. of that. Uh, it was, they got bought out by somebody. It used to be a, uh, oh, what was the name of it? SuperCon. And then okay. somebody else bought it and they turned it into GalaxyCon. Yep, yep. So I, I, I really enjoyed Raleigh when we were there. I thought it was a really good con. So hopefully it'll be really nice. good. Nice, yeah. It's uh, it's it's been a minute. I like uh, I like Louisville as a city. I lived there for a little while. Uh, it's a really nice place. So it's always great to go back. Great, good, good. Well, looking forward to it. And then, of course, you got 2020 coming. You, that website you mentioned, is that where we should keep up with you as far as like uh, when your schedule becomes public and we, when you know when you're going to be places? Yes, I have a page. I have a news page that uh, I keep. Uh, I, I post projects and shows that I'm going to be at and other big announcements. Uh, also media. Well, that's great. Now, once again, the Kickstarter is going to conclude on Saturday, November 2 at midnight, it looks like. Yep. And so looking forward to that. I, you know, Based on your success with the other Amiculous things, I have a good feeling about this one. I think this is going to come through real well. And you still got a, a goodly number of days, but don't wait. This is the time to get on there and do it. You know, if you can get... Uh, <laughs> there's some people who are able to get their Kickstarters, you know, uh, accomplished... You get their goal within like the first day or so. That's rare. It's you know yours is such that's probably gonna it'll be something you'll have to pay attention to for a while. But I, I tell everybody if you really like these kinds of things, this is the time to get in there. Support it now, and uh, you'll help Travis not have too many heart attacks. When he <laughs> looks at it because they always call it the daily heart attack when you got there and nobody is pledged in 24 hours, and you just kind <gasps> of yeah. <laughs> But I think this will be a good one because I'm really looking forward to it, especially when you got a new story. That's going to be really interesting. I can't wait to see that. Thank you. Yeah, believe me, I'm looking forward to it too. 
Okay, well, keep up the good stuff, Travis. I, I can't wait to see what your other stuff's going to be as well as this one. I'm dying to see the new story. So, you know, I, I just love the way you do stuff, and I, I always appreciate the, the stories you tell. So I can't wait to see the ones you've got coming for us. Fantastic. I, I look forward to it, too. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne, as a man. I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but it's a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. Great to welcome back to the podcast, Gilbert Deltrez, creator of many good things, including, gosh, let's see. Well, of course, I always liked Under the Flash, but uh, mm. that's always a good one. It's always going to be one of my favorites. But you've got a new project coming on right now, and it's Indiegogo this time, and it's called Galactic Rodents of Mayhem. How you doing, Gil? Hey, Wayne. Thanks for having me back on. Yes, been doing, uh, been keeping busy. Uh, yeah, wow. So under the flesh isn't abandoned. Just gotta, just gotta get that out there. We're just like every good thing, you know how you take a little break. You know, Star Wars had their nice break. Like when we come back, we're definitely gonna c- come back and hit it real hard. Oh, good. Now, talk about the new project, because uh, when I, mm-hmm. I I looked at Indiegogo and mm-hmm. you've got you know music playing in the background mm-hmm. and you've got. You know, all kinds of, you've got a, it sounds like a rock band performing the theme song. <laughs> Man, what, where did all this come from? I mean, did you, are these people you know, or did you, you know, hire these people? How did you do it? Yeah. So basically, um, the theme with Galactic World, it's a mayhem, is trying to bring it, bring in fun kind of back in comics a little bit. Um, and for me, I remember, um, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is what I grew up on. So I kind of wanted to capture that nostalgia, that goodness. Um, and pretty much add a new twist to it. And um, you can't have that and not have a theme song go with it. So I was I wrote up a song in my head, and then I was just pretty much um, trying to find a way to make it happen. And I had worked with the guy who did my soundtrack on Lair when I had relaunched, um, uh, relaunched it on Indiegogo, and he just 
took it away and he blew it away and people that hear it they're like man it's still stuck in their head so we kind of got that going so that's kind of how that came about so i think the the power with comic books is that they're visual but at the same time if you got like an audio component they're very cinematic it's like i think it goes hand in hand and i think that's what helped pushes the immersion for galactic world into mayhem because mm-hmm, uh people have already heard it because i i i i brought a little bit down of it so I could put it as the opening music for oh, wow. oh, so they nice. should have, they should have heard a little of that by now. So, all right, so all right. that, 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 like that's why I'm really amazed by it. just you know, not many indie people have their own soundtrack and their own uh, you know, for groups that perform. I mean, are these guys going to tour or something? What's going to happen with that? <laughs> the, uh, he was inspired. I told him what we had in mind. And um, once I said it's like based, I don't think it's like a power anthem, Saturday morning cartoons inspired by like the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. And um, he was inspired and he put that together with what I had written down. And I was, I was, I was amazed. I, it's rare that you get something back that surpasses your expectations. And he got like a kind of rock ballad type, Frank Zappa sounding. It's just like he put it. Just it has something going for it, and it just helps with the with the project. It's you can play the music while you're reading the book. If if he, if you want to do that, have the headphones on. It definitely helps. We even have a symphonic track as well, yeah. um, and that went Star Wars inspired. Yeah, yeah, because I saw that. That's part. If you go to Indiegogo, and I guess the the way you get to it is Galactic Rodents of Mayhem with an exclamation point. Volume one is the way you do it, and uh, there's a there's a, uh, a title sequence or opening sequence or something. That's the way you call it, and that's further yeah. down. But you get to watch. You get to see both of those if you go to the the Indiegogo. Now I've got to ask you before we get into the book, how right, come right. how come Indiegogo as opposed to Kickstarter? All right, so here's the thing. Um, I did two nice campaigns, actually a few on on Kickstarter, and um, with Lair I initially launched Lair uh, via Kickstarter, and the initial goal we had was around 10k, and with we had one drop pledge that really kind of hurt. Um, <laughs> and with Pistoletta, again, we had like a, a big drop pledge that kind of went into the calculations. So sometimes when um, you wait for the end goal and you're able to fund and then all the payments get processed, sometimes you might have that one big reward um, that doesn't pan out. And um, so I, I wanted to go with Indiegogo because I know that um, when people back they get charged right away. So I know they won't be like an instance of a, a drop pledge, so to speak. So, I mean, if someone wants a, a refund, they could always ask for a refund. But um, in this case, that's why, because it was such a big goal. And for example, I have one reward. It's $1,000 that someone actually backed. It's kind of like um, uh, what Rich Rivera did with Under the Flesh first time around, where you're like a mainstay character. So they'll have a mainstay anthropomorphic character in our universe. And that's $1,000. So let's say this happened on Kickstarter. And then that was one that was just a drop pledge. That's a thousand dollars that I'm not going to have that I can't, you know, count on for my calculations. So I took a gamble, but I am going to be bringing Galactic Rodents of Mayhem to Kickstarter with like a variant exclusive cover um, because I know that each platform has their own their own their own kind of fandom in a way like there are people that just gravitate towards whatever respective p- platform it's like you got people that shop at walmart you got your other people that shop at target so it's kind of like some people just crowdfund on indiegogo some on kickstarter so i'm still building my audience so i will be launching all both uh, uh projects on there that's cool now the the fixed goal it says is fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars and as mm-hmm. we're recording this you mm-hmm. are pretty far along 
with that. I don't mm-hmm. want to do it because it's a couple days before this actually posts. But uh, yeah. you're, you're at this point, you're ha- about halfway there, which is pretty good. And you've got, you know, it, it's w- when does it actually conclude? What, what date does it end? It's going to conclude, uh, I want to say October 19th, if I'm not mistaken, the 19th or the 20th, I believe that it'll conclude. And um, we, we we got Steam. We got, a, we got a lot of backers, almost 150. We got over 7K. And the reason why it's such a steep goal is because when I when I was creating this project um, uh, with Sebastian, who also did Lair, we wanted to do something fun. And initial idea was to keep it to 40 pages, but the more I was learning about our story, the more we were brainstorming and things were coming together, it was like, it's like it couldn't be wrapped up in 40 pages. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to just write it organically, and when it wraps, it wraps, and it came up to over 100 pages. It came up to like 104 pages. <laughs> so that's a reason why, because we got top quality art. So imagine the artist across 100 pages. Imagine a colorist. We have an amazing colorist across 100 pages, the letterer. So that's why, and then with your printing, shipping is not in full transparency shipping is not even included within that 15k that would be something where stretch goals would help equalize mm-hmm. or it was just a small price to pay i just literally out of pocket to ship just to get this off off its feet and mm-hmm. sometimes sacrifice you need to get done for a, for an ambitious project like this one now there's a picture it looks to be the cover mm-hmm. on the indiegogo page it's got mm-hmm. uh let's see one two three characters on it and yeah. of course, it's got the Headshot Comics logo on the upper left, and yeah. all that good stuff. And I, I'm I'm always fascinated because the art looks really good. I, I have to say that the anthropomorphic, you know, the mice. Mm-hmm. I'm always kind of you know. I, I always have to think back to David Peterson when he did Mouse Guard. The reason yeah. why he went with Mouse Guard with mice was because they were always vulnerable and people could yeah. identify with them or relate to them. You know, oh my gosh, these poor mm-hmm. little mice are struggling and all stuff. That's not the case with your book. <laughs> these are yeah. very big. You know, the one guy with the great big huge gun is like yeah. huge. Huge guy. Talk about who the maybe we should, we should do that. Go into the characters. Yeah. So, so what makes Galactic Warrants of Mayhem interesting is when we were coming up with this fully anthropomorphic tale. I like I said, I want to do something fun. And for me, it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I'm like, you know what? Star Wars has been a lot of talk with Star Wars disappointment with it fans and how the, how the later iterations been going on. I said, you know what? I want to mix that. So I want to I want to have something like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Star Wars had a baby. But they had a capybara baby. And mm. Wayne, I don't know if you watch a lot of the nature shows, but a capybara is the largest rodent in the world. They literally grow to the size of a, of a boar, over 180 pounds, even up to 200 pounds. And what makes them so interesting is not only that, they're the largest rodent, they're also semi-aquatic. They can hold their breath for up to five minutes underwater. They can swim underwater. And this is what sold me. When we're trying to find the animal, because when you go anthropomorphic, you got to find the animal. You know, what is it? You know, we've, we've seen turtles. We've seen, we've seen everything. And we've seen rodents, right? But I'm like, hold up. My artist sold me on this. He's like, a capybara. I'm like, what? A capy what? I didn't know what a capybara was. I had to Google it. But this is what he sold me on. He said, they're the most chill, mellow animals in the world. They're so social. They get along with almost every animal species. I couldn't believe him. He's like, turtles, birds, anteaters, monkeys, you name it. He said crocodiles. He said even crocodiles. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I Googled it, and there's more than one picture of capybaras with crocodiles, so they definitely get along with crocodiles. <laughs> and that was the inspiration and fuel to make this happen. And that's how everything just started jiving and synergizing. Because if it wasn't capybaras, it wouldn't be like, it couldn't be guinea pigs. It just couldn't. It has to be 
capybaras. And they're amazing, and we're just going to bring more awareness to these awesome creatures, uh, these rodents that are located mainly in South South America. But again, that's what created the fuel, the the fuel, the fuel. That's what created the fuel for it. And um, we, like you said, the characters. We got three. We have Bash. He's our he's uh our main tank type character. We have. Ripple, he's our mellow hot shot with the, he's a pilot with the shades. And then we got Mona Lisa, who's our balance of discipline and attitude. And um it, it's this is what we're trying to bring back. Just fun, awesome escapism, but at the same time bring a deep message that you wouldn't expect with this kind of book. So what's the story about? So basically the story centers around these three capybaras, right? And they're bounty hunters, but a hundred million credit bounty has literally been placed on their head by space and space is what i like to call um, space police authority and command enterprises they're basically a military police organization organization across the universe and somehow they got their sights set um through space and they basically are on the run from one of the generals one of the main generals and he is called dark raider so it's kind of like my play on darth vader and kind of my play on you know like the empire but this time they're not the empire these are like the good guys so to speak they're the you know the military police and you know basically the father figure of the capybaras is a, a gecko his name is gangon the gecko he's a tri-wielding gunslinger all right, so he could he could he could try wield gu- uh, three guns. I'll I'll leave that up to the imagination, or I definitely don't want to spoil that, but that will be explained. But he's the father figure of these capybaras, and he has a dark dark history uh, with with Dark Raider, and he finally been found. And um, with the capybaras there, it's basically a high octane you know chase. Uh, throughout most of the books i want to say 75 percent of the book is basically this chase where we see how the characters uh you know unlock and see how they become uh what they are through a chase scene it's like a challenge it just came up that way too and i thought that's what make this book fun i wanted to do something where i felt readers would enjoy reading as much as i enjoy writing it so i think it's going to be very special so they know each other when we're starting out um yeah, yeah, they're they're okay. siblings. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they're siblings. okay. They're siblings. I should have said that. Yeah, they're siblings. So basically, these three characters they are siblings, and their father figure is a gecko. <laughs> okay, because and I looked at them; they don't resemble each other very much. That's what. That's why I was thinking they, they're, you know, usually yeah. the very origin story usually brings the three of them together, and they discover yeah. that they, they work better. No, together. this one they're siblings. It just happened there. You know, that's how they came out. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, that's interesting. That'd be fun yeah. to see them something a little different. I did. Want to update something? You were talking about the fact that you could you could become a character. I didn't realize it's two hundred dollars to do that. You've gotten one out of well, ten of them. Yeah, so th- that's a that's what we call um the anthropomorphic cameo. Where there's going to be a lot of real estate in this book. We're doing an eight and a half by eleven and a half. It's like this big European style, but it's going to be you know uh, a trade paperback because it's hundred over a hundred pages. So we, what I want to do with this book because I know what crowdfunding sometimes people get kind of bummed they got to wait so long for the book to be done. Mm-hmm. But when this book is done, you're going to have a meaty story. You're, it's like a binge worthy session here. You know, some people like binge watching stuff on Netflix. I'm giving you a binge reading session with this graphic novel and um the anthropomorphic cameo reward is basically going to be a lot of real estate this reward is like say there's a 
a character you want to see, I don't know, let's say a chicken, let's say um, a pangolin, right? Let's say um, a, a frog or whatever, like whatever you want to see, you give us the details. We'll work it in the background as an Easter egg. And on top of that, our artist Sebastian is going to give you a black and white sketch, full sketch of uh, your anthropomorphic creation, that, along with some other goodies that we got in there. So you're definitely going to get some good stuff with it. Very cool, very cool. So, um, okay, so is this a one-time deal, or do you have more stories in mind for these guys? The idea, hopefully, if we can get this one funded, would be to do a trilogy, have a nice three-volume setup, and then if we do a fourth, it wouldn't be a continuation. It'd be like a prequel of sorts, and then from there, maybe jump on different stories within the universe. Um, I mean, I I get how sometimes you can have a story go on Mm -hmm. and on and on. I kind of want to do that but then take a break do some other stuff and come back and i think that's how you know you make your stories fresh and you know they don't get hit with fatigue or exhaustion you know sometimes you just gotta let things breathe so it would be a trilogy and then a prequel okay interesting with the prequel chris now see again now i want to go back to how they came together is is the prequel going to show there you go their origin yeah, so the prequel, like in our in our volume one, we touch up on the origin a little bit, and there's much of inner turmoil with how the group kind of got together. Um, now, with the prequel, you'd show the father figure. We'd see basically the father figure, how he taught our capybaras the ways of the bounty hunter trade or the bounty hunter life. So basically when he adopted them and then moving on until their you know, adulthood, we just see different stories um, and how – they grew as a, as a group. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. As a unit, uh, yeah. Now I got to ask, of course, uh, who are the who are the bad guys in this thing? You're gonna have a lot of bad guys. Okay. <laughs> Basically, we have Dark Raider, right? He's our he's right, our main right, antagonist. Guy, yeah. But we we also have uh, the Sniper Vipers. They're a, a, a duo of, of sniper vipers that are, you know, capybaras. Unfortunately, they are prey to snakes, as much of a lot of animals in the in the in the animal kingdom. So I had to do uh, some sniper vipers there, and we also have a shark. We have like a, a a bounty hunter shark who basically has three different forms of himself through throughout uh, the first volume. And um, so there's a lot of enemies coming towards the capybara way. So you're going to see a lot. There's a lot of variety and there's a lot of fun. And you're not going to be short of uh, of uh, villainy. Because I look on the, the Indiegogo page and I see the shark that you're talking about. Yeah. He's there. He's a great big guy and he's got a uh-huh. mouse or something with great big ears. And then yeah. there's a, like a gecko-y guy. I don't, that's not yeah, the, that's, is that the main that's, guy? The trainer? That's the main yeah, that's oh. gonna be that's gonna be the father figure right there. This is going real back into how um, he pretty much uh, came into uh, adopting the the capybaras and the little possum. I mean, that little mouse thing is like a possum, pus possum, oh. and then the shark. We got Draco the shark, and then we got Gangon the gecko, and they're on a mission. And that's how I start. So basically, what I'm doing is I'm showing just the first two pages of work as it comes in. These are um, a work in progress pages so basically we still got to get the colors on them but i put them up there so you can see the quality in just the inks alone mm-hmm. so pretty much i know i got a hefty goal if we fund great we got colors now say for some reason this thing doesn't fund mm-hmm. and i got to come back to the drawing board i would mm-hmm. bring everything back except making the book color i'd shave off a few thousand right there just in not doing the book color and then maybe use that as a stretch goal incentive or maybe release a, a future edition where we could actually put colors on the book but um, just to show you the quality, um, 
uh, with uh, Galactic mm-hmm. Wars of Mayhem that we're putting up. Art looks great. I mean, as far as that goes, I've got to ask, though, is, is this like Kickstarter in the sense that if you don't get your 15000 you don't get anything? Or how does this yeah, work? Yeah, so, so Indiegogo has where you can do a flexible campaign where whatever you get, you can keep. Mm-hmm. Um, in this instance, you, they also have a fixed goal. And here I'm going for fixed goal, go big or go home, and uh, just hopefully we can make it. And if not, this, you know, we see there's always plan B's, you know. <laughs> so well, it's really ambitious, but yeah. Yeah, the art looks really great. And the, the pages, you can see the development of them, the black and white up through the mm-hmm. color. And then, of course, the, the the lettering and stuff all comes in. I just, I'm going to be curious to see how this goes. And, of course, you've got lots mm-hmm. of other animals and stuff like that, too, not just the the rodents you've got other things around too like a bird yeah. who's, who's i got 650 trillion egos yeah so that what we have there these three pages that are completed that i put on the indiegogo campaign this is kind of like i want to say maybe this is the pitch to the reader this is like a pitch to them this three-page story it shows how the capybaras got their flagship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how Star Wars, Han Solo, he got, you know, they got the Millennium Falcon. Well, mm-hmm. we have the Burning Rose. So there's three pages. It shows a little intro to the characters, a little intro to the universe, and shows how they got their ship. Um, but um, it's not attached to the story, but it's part of the universe. It's part of the canon. But this three pages is a little, we just want to do something fun, um, is what Sebastian wanted. And he challenged me to write a three page kind of set story, and I did. And mm-hmm. that's just, if you guys read that, and you like it you're gonna love you know guaranteed if you like the anthropomorphic anything in your life you're gonna really love uh, galactic rodents of mayhem now i noticed too that you do different versions of this it's the i guess you've got what they call a digital deluxe Mm -hmm. Uh, apparently that's one you can read on your like your ipad or whatever those things then Mm -hmm. you've got the printed book Mm -hmm. is the next thing you've got and Mm -hmm. that's when we get into the collector edition uh Mm -hmm. two signed books i get you you can get more than one the headshot mm-hmm. comic pack that includes Lair and Pistolera, mm-hmm. and the premium edition. Then mm-hmm. uh, you get the, let's see, premium edition he has looks like a shirt. Yeah, premium thing is a shirt, and then we have I think the team edition where we add a shirt and a cap, mm-hmm. and then we have um, I think after that we have the anthropomorphic cameo, and then we have an original art page mm-hmm. where if you get a you know. Sebastian, he's doing his. Tra- he's doing a few select pages traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he pencils, he inks digitally. Mm. Um, but then we have select pages that he's gonna pencil old school. He's gonna ink old school, and those pages are a beauty, and they're really big. Um, you'll get that in addition to some other things. And then I think else we have is like a director's cut type thing where I'll print out the script and I'll have some notes there that Sebastian and I had along the way and that will be signed. And with that, you'd get a character sketch. Mm-hmm. Sebastian did some really awesome character sketches uh, with our other campaign with Lair. So nice that it was hard for me to even let go. I mean, he's, he, he's based in Uruguay, so he mailed it to me and I had – Dr. Octopus sketch that was just just beautiful, a gambit sketch that was just so nice, fully colored. I mean, he goes a whole, he goes all out, and um, you'd be getting that in addition with um, with some other goodies. There's so, an yeah. MP3 C I see there. Is that the theme song? That's a theme song. So I mean, you could always go on YouTube and hear, but if you want to have it, you know, in your personal audio device, we'll definitely mm-hmm. um, have that over. And if for somehow we get into stretch goals, whoever backs at that tier will get uh, a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Very cool, very cool. So, yeah, wow, well, you got lots of good things on this, man. This is, this is really sparkling with these good things. Just try, yeah, trying to just you know put out good quality content, just because there's a lot of great stuff out there, and you gotta you know you gotta put up. 
Mm-hmm. Well, this is the thing. I, my only fear about these things is the fact that this is retro on, on some levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I have to tell you, the turtles are still going. I mean, there's a uh, Batman turtles. They just did like the yep, third or fourth one. Yeah, they those. got a little crossover going on. Yep. Yeah. And that's the thing. I know there's still an audience, a big audience that kind of long for this type of stuff. Um, so what I'm trying to do, at least with Galactic Road and Samayam, is trying to say, like, hey, listen, we love and respect the Turtles, and I grew up on that, and I'm a, I'm a fan, hardcore as they come. But I'm trying to say, hey, we can still do, like, a new story, a new twist um, based on the good old stuff and still make it fresh. And I think that's where we get the capybara animals in there. People don't know what capybaras are. And in our universe, there's no humans in our universe. It's all fully anthropomorphic. And it's like in this Star Wars-type, Guardians of the Galaxy-type universe where each planet is like their own race. And then you have some few planets that are melting pot populations and these planets that are usually, you know, cesspools with danger and lawlessness. So we got a lot work in here. So if you into any of that kind of stuff, you're going to find a lot to like uh, with Galactic Ordinance and Mayhem, especially because we, you know, we, we play on a lot of the old stuff and there's references from video game culture, anthropomorphic stuff, TV shows, movies. Uh, forget about it. You'll see a lot of cool references as well. So it's going to be something that people would enjoy, and that's all that I wanted to do. Now, something else we should point out too is towards the mm-hmm. bottom of the page, it mm-hmm. says "Meet the Cast," and you've got more information about Bash and Mona Lisa and Ripple. Yes, uh, and you show the ship as well. As yeah, and we show the burning art. world. Yes, fan art. Where did you get fan art? Because the book hadn't even come out yet, and you've already got fan art. How'd you do that? Yeah. So what I did was I was just trying to create way to just kind of get some kind of attention some kind of buzz so i just uh, like i on social media i'm like hey guys you know this is i got a campaign going on i mean we do a contest you know we'll take fan art up until october 31st give us your fan art um every entry will get a digital uh pdf and, you know, the top three entries, you know, they'll get a physical copy of uh, Galactic Rodents of Mayhem if we fund. And if not, we'll have Lara Pistoleta. So they're going to get something. Okay, because I also noticed, too, that not many people do this, but you've listed what the stretch goals would be. Yeah. yeah that's just interesting. Like that. I'm, I'm not used to seeing that. Usually people wait until they get the goal, and then they start announcing they're going to have stretch goals. But you've got them listed down there. You've got stickers and bookmarks. Mm-hmm. And all kinds of things in there. The pinup you were talking about, all the good things. So yeah, yeah we definitely have a guest pinup. I felt like if we would, because um, here's the thing with um, Indiegogo that's also kind of different from Kickstarter or less. I don't. I, I think they don't do this, but um, because I did Pistolet, I didn't see this option available. But with Indiegogo, when you launch a campaign and it funds, you have the option to convert it into what's called an in-demand store. So basically, your campaign remains live. And people can still back your book. So since this book is going to be up until, let's say if we fund, it's going to be until April. You figure like that's when I expect to deliver it. So you figure from from November to December, you know, January. We're going to have a lot of content being pumped out from Sebastian and the team. Mm-hmm. So we got a lot of promotional material. And you're still going to have new backers coming in that probably didn't even know. And probably like, what, this funded? Yeah, I want it. Okay, good. Well, you can get it. So yeah. that's where they'll see maybe as, as we gain a little bit more traction, you can see you can, okay, wow, well, we'll unlock this. Okay, well, everyone that back will also get this. And so that's just a way of you know incentivizing and just trying to keep the you know options open and bring more to the book. 
Because hmm, I, I think you may be the first person I've talked with who's using mm-hmm. Indiegogo. I've always seemed to uh, talk with people at Kickstarter before. Yeah. So Kickstarter is amazing, and I'm always going to have uh, Kickstarter books. I even got next month, believe it or not, um, I'm teaming back up with J.L. Giles. And he's he's done a lot of Marvel work, and now we, we got to a rhythm where we, we're reuniting, mm-hmm. and we're going to do um, these one-shots, like these 30-page one-shot stories to kind of like build up our tandem, our force as a, as a storytelling duo, and then we're going to jump back into Under the Flesh. But what we have coming out is called The Deep Dark, and that's basically Lovecraft meets Jaws in a 30-page one-shot. Okay. And the script is already being finalized, so Kickstarter, you're going to get some stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, um, so I just ping pong back and forth. I got to be prolific, Wayne, just because I'm building my audience. So I just, yeah. I figure if I just put more stuff out there and people read and like certain things, they're gonna know. Mm-hmm. Okay, this guy's serious. Mm-hmm. Well, great, great. That's you know, the, the, anything you do to get the audience built up and, and people are interested in doing That's those kinds of things, it's a good totally. thing. Yeah. But I, I'm always gonna pitch you on uh, under the flesh because that was my first love when it comes to your stuff so I'm and I, I appreciate that and, <laughs> and I told Jail hey listen we're coming back and we're this is the whole point we're doing these other stories to build that audience we learned a lot with under the flesh I learned a lot and um, what I learned I want to keep on doing and I want to bring that back and it's going to be even more epic uh, the more that I've learned since then and JL's art style as well has developed so when we get back on that to close it out it's going to be something real special I gotta ask you something about this because you know the the you, do you pronounce it Grom and it's G-R-O-M is that what it is? <laughs> yeah it just it's just something that just sounds good off the tongue okay. just to say and just yeah it's a promotional thing too yeah it just worked out that way because I, as I understand it, you you've got a, a young son that you're raising yes, up I, these days. Yes, I do. I, yes, are I you do. thinking that maybe this might be something that he might enjoy when when the, the times come to him, for him to start reading? I would love that, and I'm all, and it's not because he heard the theme song and dances to it every time, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not because of that. But you know, we even have you know Geico, right? You know, Geico has a gecko, right? Mm-hmm. Um. If you've seen the Geico commercials, right? So in the Tampa Bay Con, they had like a little booth and they were giving out prizes. And I got a gecko, right? Mm-hmm. A little little uh, toy figure. Um, so I put it when he, you know, we drive out. He's in a little car seat. And I put in his little pocket holder. And I say, that's Gangon. Gangon the gecko, like from my story. And he's like, mm-hmm. Gangon. He looks at it. He points at it. <laughs> so in a silly way, yeah, Wayne, I would love that would be the ultimate dream if 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 we can get a hit to the point where you know or not even a hit just the fact that he could grow up on that would be awesome where i have a material through crowdfunding to show him or you know that would be amazing because this screams animated series to me you know i i I could see this being on like netflix or you know any of those uh, it used to be i would think cartoon network but they i don't think cartoon network so much anymore they're not they're doing largely maybe your son's age kind of stuff but yeah. there's a lot of us who are adults that still enjoy animation so i'd like to see this could really work well on on say netflix like i said or yeah. gosh, any of them i think this would work well with yeah and interesting enough um with pistoletta i don't know how but a producer somehow caught wind of pistoletta and it was just he told me through 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 um, Kickstarter message how he came across it. He said he's working on a on a on a show that's coming to Netflix. And me, I'm thinking, yeah, okay, I, I don't get high hopes for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like, something about your book stuck with me, and he he wants to do something with it. 
Hmm. I'm like, okay, well, let's see. So, you know, there's talks, but you know, these things take time. I'm not getting high hopes. I'm being practical. But the idea is, yes, if Pistoleta is an evidence to that and the stuff I'm putting out, definitely Grom, Galactic World and some Mayhem definitely shows that it has a mainstream appeal. And I think in the future, everything is going to be exclusives. Like Netflix has this. Well, Hulu has that. Amazon Prime has this. HBO got that. So I feel if you have like a cemented kind of story going on, Mm -hmm. uh, you could pitch that and sell that. And and once we get to the convention circuit, getting more eyes on Grom, um, it's going to be something special. So hopefully it all starts with the crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you just mentioned now something I was going to ask about, and that is conventions. Yes. Are, Are there any conventions you got coming in the near future? Right at this moment, I'm only looking towards next year. And if that happens, I would definitely try to get – put it like this. If if Galactic World into Mayhem funds, I want to be in New York next year mm-hmm. um, with the finished book and a table. <laughs> I, I need to make that happen. So mm-hmm. if it funds, I know I could start looking <laughs> – see, it's October. It funds, you know, mm-hmm. So I could start looking literally – a year from now to try to book and that would be amazing so i would try to look at baltimore because uh i remember offer you saying that it's it's comic book oriented mm-hmm. so that would be one that i'd look to do mm-hmm. um and definitely new york comic-con aside from perhaps maybe one based in florida maybe in orlando megacon or mm-hmm. uh supercon i like to hit the florida ones too and all this pending hopefully if if grom funds i'll have a finished book um to push and a beautiful one at that so yeah well you might think Fortunately, it's expensive, but you might think about San Diego too, because that's where Hollywood is and where a lot of the media stuff happens. Yeah, that's a really good idea, man. I know it is expensive, and probably yeah. crazy to even get a table there. I can't even imagine, but that's something I think about. That's a good point. Yeah, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a table out there. You could go out there with your books and kind of go around and see other people's tables and, and maybe talk. Don't to you get? Won't you get kicked out for that? No, I don't know why. I mean, you, I've there are many people I know who go to San Diego who never have a table. All they do is walk around. Well, let's say you. You get a signing somebody. Maybe some indie place will will, will pick up your book yeah. and sell it for you. You could you could do a signing at one of their booths or something like that, and that gets you in the uh, door. And once you're in the door, yeah. you can go and talk to folks. But uh, you know, I would ask them about it. You know, I, I don't know how you're gonna how you would do those kinds of things, but uh, I, it's just that that's what I hear people do. I mean, I know so many people who are they go and they they sit at, at uh, somebody's booth or something. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they do an uh, autographing session, and then they can wander the floor and kind of, you know. That's crazy. Maybe I have to people. team up with Rich Rivera, see if he can yeah. <laughs> do a guest signing on his cavity. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see about that. You never know. Stranger things have happened. Well, Gil, you're doing wonderful stuff. I can't wait to see this. It's going to, it's April, you're saying, before we'll probably see a lot of this stuff come to fruition. Hopefully, if it funds, yeah, we're looking around April 2020, complete 100-page book for our for our backers. So what we all got to do is just like uh, say I always tell Kickstarter people, don't wait until the the day because it's uh, we got to make sure we get it in before the thing comes to a conclusion because that that'll help the that gets people's attention just as much as the the content itself will. So right on, I appreciate that. that. So what's the deadline again? When was the day that we? Uh, October twentieth, I believe. October twentieth, yeah, is a, is the deadline. So we still got about I want to say seventeen, sixteen more days. We can close it in on a two week period. Yeah. Yeah, from when we're recording, but uh, don't wait that long. Don't, <laughs> go and do it now. You know, you, we don't want Gil to go on every day and say, "Oh my gosh, nobody's 
you know, pledged again today with the daily heart attack that we always talk about. The yeah, crowdfunding express is for it's not for everyone, and I no. wouldn't recommend it to my worst enemy. But yeah, guys, I appreciate it. if you take a look. Share shares are good too. Just sharing it out definitely helps get more eyes on it. And like I said, if you like the anthropomorphic anything in your life, you'll have a lot to enjoy with a galactic road of mayhem. I'm looking forward to it, Gil. It, it should be great fun. Galactic Rodents of Mayhem. Go to Indiegogo and look for it on there. And be sure to dive in and support so you can get your copy. And maybe you, you might find yourself in one of the pages of one of these books. Wouldn't that be Hopefully fun? so. Be fun, Hopefully man. so. I appreciate Wayne for having me on the show to talk uh, Grom. And uh, always great to, to reconnect every time. I appreciate it. And have fun at uh, New York Comic Con. Okay. Well, we'll talk with you again sometime soon, I'm sure. Yes, you will. Thank you so much, Wayne. That's it for this week. Please be back next time when I'll be speaking with another great comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.